Hey, hello friends, and welcome to this message which is specially handpicked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at lincolnseranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. Get into uh, the, the actual verse, the key verse that I read on Sunday um, was from the book of Revelation, chapter uh, book of Revelation, uh, chapter 12 and verse 7. Let us go. Father, bless us as we again return to your word. We want our families transformed. We want our children saved. We want our lives more like what we know your will is like kingdom will and we ask that even in tonight's discussion you help us continue to grow in understanding amen amen so revelation 12 and verse 7 and um, uh, I, I, I do not have it displayed so just listen to the reading what uh, sorry <laughs> I was reading the wrong one then war broke out in heaven. Now, this war traditionally is attributed to the first war that Satan was thrown out of heaven. I was making a point that this portion of scripture actually is a double-barreled uh, uh, verse that speaks of both the first war and the second war, as I made the argument. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, who was cast to the earth. Uh, he was, Sorry, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. My argument uh, is that this refers more to a second falling because Satan is being cast out of heaven but is re de defined as the devil and as Satan names he didn't have in heaven. His names up there were, was Lucifer. But now he's cast out as Satan and he's described as one who deceives the whole world and he is cast on earth and his angels are cast out with him. And then it says uh, later that um, uh, woe to those who are on earth because he comes angry knowing that his time is short. So this casting out is when man is already created. And so he's coming down on earth with great wrath. And my argument is that this is a casting out of Satan out of the second heaven. These are discussions we've had in the past with our pastoral team and recognize, hey guys, let's, let's be honest with the scriptures. Let's not be theologically stuck. 
let's face the fact that, yeah, this may refer to the original fall of Satan, but it also talks about uh, a secondary fall. And uh, in the first fall, he was thrown out of the third heaven into the first heaven. He lies to Adam and accesses the second heaven, which is the ruling sphere over earth. And now war will break out again in the second heaven in the end times. And this time he will be cast out of the second heaven onto the earth and he will come very angry, wanting to destroy everything because his time is short. But when he's cast out of the second heaven, a declaration goes out and I wanted more the theology of it other than um, the, the eschatology of it. <laughs> Eschatology is a study of end times, but the theology of it is the point, is understanding what goes in the second realm. There are battles in the second realm. There is a contention there. That is where spiritual warfare goes on. And, um, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're trying to balance our Christian doctrine because a lot of Christians are holding a theology in which all things are finished and there are no battles at all. There's no war in the heavenlies. There is um, no sin in the world. Jesus took it all away. So live any way you want because, as, in fact, somebody I really respect as a preacher has recently said that sin has no or is of no consequence. And I thought, that doesn't sound right. I know it was dealt with. Thank God. Thank God it was dealt with at the cross. Sin and of itself does not stop you being born again. But you cannot say it is of no consequence. Mm -hmm. But it's because of a mix-up of the three realms, which is why I wanted to show this little uh, diagram. I mean, I'm on mute. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just realized that uh, I was on mute there. So let me deal with this again. Um, talking about overcoming the accuser. And uh, on Sunday, I clearly explained the three heavens. Uh, the third heaven being paradise, uh, the highest heaven, the second heaven being heavenly places where we wage warfare. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Hmm? And he's also, remember, called the god of this world. So if he was completely made powerless, how come he's called the god of this world? Why is he called the power, the prince of the power of the air? So there's a dominion there going on, a fallen dominion. And it has to be dethroned. It has to be ended. Before Jesus returns, there will be, as we have read, a war breaking out in the second heaven. And Satan will be cast out of the second heaven into the first heaven. And then the Bible says, War to you that are on earth, because he comes to you having great wrath. That is, uh, Marvin, if you can find it for everybody, uh, we will show it in a moment. That is Revelation 12. And verse 11, mm. so he comes down, uh, uh, what the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time, time. So he will be cast out of the second heaven. So this is what the little video shows here, that uh, he was originally Lucifer, Isaiah 42, 12, and when he fell, he became the dragon. Revelation 12, 7 says the dragon fought against God. So he was cast out of heaven into the first heaven. And arguably that was before the creation of man. Then man was created 
and man was created in the first heaven, Satan attacks him, deceives him, man falls, and he takes over dominion in the second heaven. And when Jesus makes us alive in him, as that happens, he takes us far above principalities and powers. And then in the end time, Satan will be cast out of the second heaven into the first heaven. That is the verse that we have just read. Now, I did that very quickly because I don't have a lot of time. If you really feel that that confused you, uh, you may want to ask a question. Please feel free to, to use that link. Pastor Grace posted it. I can ask her to post it again so it's not too far down so that you can dial in and say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Slow down. Yeah, but um, so there is an accuser. He is called the accuser of the brethren hmm? who accused them day and night. Hmm? Called the devil. He was cast out of there. But they did not prevail. No place was found them. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of all called the devil Satan who deceives the whole world was cast out of heaven and his angels were cast out with him. Now, uh, the voice says, Now salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come. Have they come already? Yes, they have come in part, but they continue to come. Jesus said, Pray thy kingdom come. So our prayer for the kingdom to come is ongoing because ultimately it comes in its fullness when Christ comes and rules forever on earth earth. Uh, but now when the, there is a falling out of the second heaven, uh, this kingdom manifests in greater glory and greater power and that's that <coughs> declaration in the heavenlies. So that was an important twist uh, in understanding that uh, one of the things that restricts the manifestation of the fullness of the kingdom of God on earth is the activity of demonic forces in the second heaven. In the third heaven, the kingdom of God has been is 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 always fully established, and God has admitted us into that kingdom. The Bible says He translated us from the kingdom of darkness, as you saw, and He carried us spiritually into the kingdom of the Son of His love. But for us to see the kingdom of God as it is in heaven demonstrated on earth, that blanket in the middle has got to be eliminated. Yeah? And it will be eliminated in two phases. One, Satan is cast out of the first heaven, so he has no spiritual rulership over the earth legitimately. He comes down on earth with wrath, and we know that in end times, there will be so much evil breaking out, because Satan will be attacking people directly, no longer from heavenly places. And that's part of the tribulation and the tribulations that will hit the world in the end times. Make sure you are not here. Make sure that you continue to walk with the Lord and, and be secure and strong in your confession and your salvation. So, uh, but uh, this is the rest of that verse. It says, So the accuser, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now that is where we, we had a new learning again that um, 
The Bible clearly teaches, as we started on Sunday in Romans 8, that there is no case against the church. In what way is there a case, and then in what way is there not a case? Uh, and that we wanted to resolve that. So Romans 3.31 says, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him? That was Romans 8.31. Yeah, for, for those that are wanting to follow. But delivered him for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, and that's the power of it, by justification. There is no accusation against the church. There is no charge. Let me use the word charge because that is what's used here. There is no charge against the church. There is no charge because Christ has been charged in our place. So we are not looking here at a primary charge that sends you to damnation. The elect are saved. They are going to heaven. Christ has forgiven them their sin. Christ has paid their penalty. There is no hearing over the destiny of your soul. There is no case. It has been thrown out. It was not thrown out because you were not guilty. It was thrown out because Jesus took your place and my place. He took our guilt. We were guilty. But the guilt was put on him so that we can walk away free. And that's why there's all this battle in the second heaven. Because Satan is saying, no, 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 no. no. This is not fair. No, okay, their, their souls has, have been re re redeemed. But I'm going to fight them, I'm going to accuse them, I'm going to tempt them, I'm going to sabotage them. Mm -hmm. So, he is called a liar. Satan is a liar. Like he lied to Adam, he now lies to us who are in the image of the second Adam, who is Christ. He still comes to lie to the church, fighting so that we do not experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. That's why our children uh, suffer. That's why... People die prematurely in the church. That's why we lay hands on people and not everyone is healed. Because, friends, there is still a battle there and there is contests in the second heaven. In the third heaven, all is done. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In fact, I was uh, contesting. In, you know, when I'm preparing sermons, I, I, pre I always speak to the one who is confused in my mind. I'm speaking to the one who is arguing, saying, no, 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 Pastor Lincoln, you've got it wrong. I always try and address that person. So somebody was saying, and we were discussing this honestly, how can there be accusation against the church when Christ has paid the price? That's what the, the, the theological issues we're trying to resolve. Well, the issue is not primary accusation in a way that takes you down to damnation. Satan is not accusing us even necessarily of our sins, but he's accusing us of our imperfection. He's accusing us of our imperfection and our lack of spirituality and lack of devotion. And so his accusation is to stop us experience salvation. To ex he's trying to stop us from experiencing salvation to the maximum. Mm -hmm. He's accusing us and trying to block us experiencing the glory of God to the maximum. Mm -hmm. That's the battle. That's where the battle really is, friends. And so, uh, uh, as an example, remember that um, 
Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, and I don't have the verse, it just comes to mind. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have you. Whoa, Satan has asked to have you and to sift you as wheat. So Satan had been somewhere in the spirit realm and lodged an application. Marvin has found it beautiful. That is Luke 22 and verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. Whoa, Satan has asked for you. How? That he might sift you as wheat. To sift, the sense of sifting is to try to test. Yeah, move to the next verse. And he says, I've prayed for you, intercession, that your faith should not fail. That means he has faith. And that means he's saved. Yeah. By the way, there are some people who say the disciples were not saved until Jesus died. Hmm. Wasn't Abraham saved? The Bible says he was justified by grace through faith. Mm. Uh, but Jesus hadn't died. <laughs> you know? Arguably, David was walking in New Covenant realities. But closer to home, remember when the disciples went out uh, to cast out demons and returned with excitement, Luke chapter 10, and said, Lord, the demons obey us. Oh my days, the demons obey us, we cast them out. And Jesus said, do not rejoice that the demons obey you. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. That means the disciples' names were written in the book of life. But now Satan... Is asking for Peter. Hmm. Hmm? And the sense of this is an accusation. Now, when we say accusation, we can dramatize this. This is human language trying to describe the activities in the spirit realm. We don't know exactly what it looks like in the spirit realm, but we are using human terminology to try and explain the dynamics of the spirit realm. So there are such things as accusation, queries, challenges, that are made over a person. So Peter is the lead apostle that uh, Christ is, is going to, to, to leave uh, over the, the flock. And Satan is accused, uh, has an issue with that. And he's saying, no, 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 I asked for Peter. Give him to me. Yeah. <laughs> where Where is this going on? Did he whisper to Jesus in the ear? I don't know where Jesus downloaded it from, that there was an argument somewhere in the spirit and Satan is saying, no, no, I need to test this guy. I need to show you what he's made of. Whether that happened literally or what Jesus was just seeing uh, pr prophetically and putting it in, in legal language, uh, it's in the same way that uh, Job was asked, uh, was challenged, uh, that Satan was saying, no, this guy, his worship is shallow. Uh, he worships you because you built a hedge around him. You don't allow him to go through trouble. His children are blessed. Or everything he touches is blessed. If he had trouble, he would not worship you. So that's an accusation. That's a, a, a lobbying somewhere in the heavens. And um, again, uh, my argument, that is, that is second heaven. I do not see Satan going back to the third heaven where he was thrown out. But again, this refers to the spirit realm where discussions, meetings, arguments happen. Mm -hmm. mm. And so uh, Satan has access to, to, um, to, uh, to, uh, to uh, Job, not in, not in a way that you should worry. Some people say, oh, Satan can come to me like he came to Job. <laughs> I don't think he can. I don't think he will. That argument was settled once and for all, that man is a worshiper. Man is a worshiper in and out of season. Don't pretend to be a second Job. 
<laughs> don't even go there. Don't, don't even have a sleepless night about it. Now look at what happens to Peter. When, Peter, when Jesus says to him, Satan has asked to have you and to sift you as wheat. Uh, what happens? A little girl. <laughs> that is how Satan came. A little girl said, weren't you with Jesus as well? Hmm? We saw you with him. That was Satan. <laughs> and you'd have thought there would be a bolt of lightning and fire and thunder. No, no, no. A little girl came and said, no, I think you are with Jesus. And he denies him. No, no, no. I'm not with him. And he swears and, and he curses and all that. And that was Satan testing him. That was Satan weighing him. And we know that after that he was restored. But the point is that there can be arguments over our lives in the spirit realm. And there are accusations that say we deserve less. Jesus has settled the case in the third heaven. The Father's heart is satisfied concerning our sins. We are the children of God. Our names are written in the book of life. But now we contend for more. We want to see heaven on earth. We want to see the kingdom of God. We want to see the glory of God. And over those things, contentions continue to happen. Now, how did they overcome? Overcome, rather, in the Bible. The, the Bible shows us clearly, and we read this. And I want to spring from there and see whether you guys have any other questions, and then we can uh, uh, discuss those and take this home. It says. They overcame him. Marvin, going back to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. So while he was still in the second heaven, before he was cast down, they overcame him. Who? The Christians. Yeah. Before he is cast down, we can still overcome. How do we overcome? Three things that I wanted to touch and go a little deeper on today. Number one, the blood of the Lamb. Is the first way we overcome. We overcome through the finished work of Christ by which his blood is shed and becomes a propitiation, a payment, a settlement of the wrath of God. That is the first emblem of victory for a believer. And when you are not convinced about the blood, you cannot start overcoming Satan. This is where many of us are confused. Yeah? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That is the first victory. And then it says, and the word of their testimony. That's the second victory. Blood of the Lamb is the work of Christ. The word of their testimony is the work of Christ in their lives. The subsequent work. So there is the initial work which justifies us. Then there's the second reward, which makes us a testimony in the heavenlies. And then the third one, they did not love their lives to the death. That's the third victory. Yeah? Please hear the beauty of this. So number one, he dies for us. Number two, he transforms us. Number three, we die for him. Whoa, what a beautiful sandwich of three. Mm. He dies for us. Justification. He transforms us. Sanctification. We die for him. Glorification. Mm. These are the three weapons 
that overcame him. And we grow in each one of them. We grow in our experience. It's not perfect at that is why, again, the manifestation of the glory of God is not perfect. But these are the three weapons. So we shouldn't just lean on the on the blood. We need to allow the blood to do a work in us. And finally, we don't just point of how he died for us. We begin to talk about how we die for him. Paul says, we die daily. And these men, all the apostles, were actually killed. They were are crucified upside down, they were slaughtered, they were fed to lions, they were sown in two. And so this is the full work of Christ where we don't simply look at his blood shed for us, but ultimately it becomes our blood shed for him. What a powerful, powerful thought that full Christian victory can experience on earth when we love not our lives even unto the death. Now, I want you to come in. Uh, uh, people get shy, and I know you may not have your makeup on, and mm -hmm. so you don't want to be seen. Um, if you want to type your question, that's an option. Also, I think we have the option in which you can dial in, and we can hear you, but I don't have to bring your face on. So <laughs> actually, just remember that that's also possible. So if you feel like you want to ask a question without your face being seen, Yes, there is a solution there. Use that link, click it, uh, you will dial in and ask your question and we will be finished uh, um, uh, hopefully by quarter two uh, through answering questions. Now, uh, Pastor Grace, do you have any questions? Do you have any contributions you want to make? Okay. How does our response to accusation against the brethren or the church differ from our response to accusation against those that aren't brethren? Oh, what a complicated question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me take this one area at a time. Thank you so much, Pastor Sarah, your question. I'm trying to get my brain around it. I think I can see it on the screen. How does our response to accusation against brethren, is that Satan's accusation, or church defer? That is people. Mm -hmm. People accusation. How does our response to accusation against brethren or church differ from those that aren't brethren? Uh, I can't quite work my, my head, head around that. Uh, I think, Sarah, you may need to come on and articulate audibly. Uh, even if you can't show your face, that's fine. But I can't quite work out your question. Uh, so let, while, while Sarah is making a call in, just want to make a point about the word of their testimony. I think the blood is clear. Friends, your first weapon against the accusations of the enemy, Jesus died for me. Jesus shed his blood for me. Never ever allow Satan to put you in a corner and pin you to the floor without pleading the blood. You must plead the blood. Jesus shed his blood for me. When you are in court, you must make a plea. They ask you, are you guilty or not guilty? <laughs> what is your plea? And our plea is Jesus died for me and took my place. And I feel that many times we are seduced into human righteousness, into thinking how you live your life can ever be good enough. It can never be good enough. Even if you fast every day that God sends, even if you don't commit any sin, 
and you walk perfectly, you are still not good enough. Because there are things you should have done that you didn't do. Not just, not just doing evil is not good enough. <laughs> There's righteousnesses you should do, and we never see it all. So my first plea as Lincoln is the blood is my cover. Mm. I never come out under the blood. That is how I overcome the devil. You overcome the devil by pleading the blood. Jesus died in my place. Jesus paid my penalty. Jesus took my debt. He became me. Oh, Pastor Grace put a good statement out today as she was leading us. Jesus became as one of us that we may become as him. It was an exchange. So we overcome by the blood. We overcome by the blood. That should always be our first plea. Yeah? That must always be our first argument. Yeah? Are you coming in to, to add to the mix? I'm coming to ask a question on someone's <laughs> behalf. Okay. Um, so this scripture about Revelation 12 yeah. talks about overcoming. Mm. But because it talks about um, overcoming because they love not their lives to the death, mm. it seems to be talking about people who have run their race and finished. Mm. So to what extent can we overcome this side of eternity mm. or is our overcoming only counted in terms of when we've absolutely finished the race? And, uh, and we have died. And we've died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good question, but, but the point is this. It says they loved not their lives, even unto the death. Even if I die, I die is the point of the verse. It is not about you have to first die to prove it. It's just that loss of self-prioritizing and, and the valuing of your own uh, um, carnal life should not get in the way of your Christian confession. So the point there to me is not about literally dying, physically dying, but being ready to. That our passion and our devotion to Christ is without the limit or the threat of death. And it's more a sense of self-sacrifice other than a looking for somebody to chop your head off. It's, <laughs> it's that valuing of Christ and valuing and loving him so much, uh, even unto the death. I, I hope I've tried to answer that. Yeah. There was another question about, can we be justified and yet accused? Oh, yes. Yeah. Good question. Can we be justified and accused? And that's the point of this message. And I try to illustrate this um, because a, ju a judgment, and most of you understand how courts work, once a, a judge has declared you not guilty, even if you are guilty in real life, but there is no evidence to accuse you, you are a free man. But the truth is, you may have committed the crime. And so, on the ground, although the judge, I think we were watching a, a, a film with, with my wife recently of um, a guy who, who was actually found not guilty. He was actually wrongly accused. But even after he was released, people didn't want him near them because they were just not sure. So there was an accusation, although there was a vindication. Yeah? So the justification is in the courts. It's in the spirit realm before God. Please understand, God does not accuse a believer 
in that way. There is no accusation from God before Calvary. God had an accusation against us. So the Bible does not say that the blood of Jesus is a propitiation against the wrath of the devil. It's a propitiation against the wrath of God. It is God who was against us. Now he is for us. That does not mean Satan is, is for you. No, he's not, he's not for you. He's against you. And so he brings an accusation. There is an answer to him. And I wanted to actually read that verse. So that's the sense, my friends, in which we can have both justification and accusation. Justification is before God. Accusation is from Satan. Now listen to this. First John Chapter 2 and verse 1. I'll, I'll pull back a little that Marvin may present this. First John chapter 2 and verse 1. Verse 1. It says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you might not sin, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Do you see that beautiful verse? It's a New Testament verse. But it's raising an issue. Sin has been dealt away with. Yet we are told that we are to deal with it as disciples in obedience. And he's saying, I'm writing you. So one of the purposes of the scripture is to strengthen us against disobedience and against weaknesses and strength, uh, I mean, uh, and falling. But the Bible says, keep away from sin. But if you get into trouble, we have an advocate. Now, what's an advocate? He's a lawyer. <laughs> mm. So, Jesus did not just die and shed his blood, which is the first part. Over, we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Second, the word of our testimony. How we overcome sin and temptation and falls and all that. So, the second part of our victory is not what Jesus did for us, it is what we do for Jesus. Powerful. So we are not talking now about justification, we are talking about sanctification. And this is where we come under accusations in the second realm, not before the throne of God in the third, third heaven, but before uh, the throne of God, and I want to explain that the throne of God has an expression in each of the heavens, because the Bible says the heavens are his throne, the earth is his footstool. Mm. That means when God is ruling, his throne traverses the three heavens. So when the high priest takes the blood, he comes from the outer court through the middle court into the Holy of Holies. And he would sprinkle the blood over the throne to extinguish virtually the wrath of God. Yeah, but... The throne of God is in second, third, first, third, second, and first heaven. So I believe when the Bible says that um, uh, Satan come to accuse Job, he comes to him not in the third heaven. He comes to God not in the third heaven, but in the second heaven. That's where he comes to accuse him. And that's where the issues of accusation are dealt with. Mm. That's where the issues of intercession are, are dealt with. So the advocate, Christ, advocates for us in the spirit realm, I believe. That's where his office is. And that advocacy is part of the salvation plan. So the Bible says, as we saw on Sunday, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. I'm sorry, I'm giving a long answer here. 
it says Hebrews 7 and verse 25 Marvin if you can find it therefore he talking of Jesus is also able to save to the utmost can let me first finish it, then I'll ask for another version. He is able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he didn't just die for us, he rose for us and he ascended for us and stood as an intercessor forever. So his salvation plan includes both death, resurrection and intercession. So we can't just plead the blood. We need the lawyer as well. Who keeps saying, not only did I justify them, I also argue their case while they are being sanctified. You cannot just accuse them. I argue their, their case while they are being sanctified. Can you show us another version? I wanted to show that the word utmost is also the word, uh, therefore he is able to once and forever to save those who come to God through him. Do you have another one? That is not NLT. There's one that says, therefore he's able to save completely. I love that. So there is a completion of our salvation. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. So there's a perfection process that Jesus is presiding over as an intercessor, not just as a lamb slain, yeah, which is justification, but a lamb interceding, called a lamb interceding, a priest interceding, which is uh, the, the, uh, the what silences accusation. There's there are quite a few questions mm. on the whole issue of accusation. Mm. Um, coming from the understand well, uh, the scripture in Romans eight thirty three, mm -hmm. which says, "Who can who can?" Let me read it. It mm. says, "Who dare who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for His own? Mm. No one." For God himself has given us right, standing with himself, who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died. So um, some people are asking, in the light of that, mm. can the devil's accusations mm -hmm. have any impact on us? Yes, they will, but they will not be condemning. It won't be a condemnation impact. It is an accusation impact. There's a difference between an accusation and a condemnation. Mm. A condemnation is a verdict. When you are condemned, say so-and-so has been condemned, it means a verdict has been passed against you. Now a verdict can now not be passed against you because it was passed against Jesus. But an accusation can be brought against you. And I think that that very verse in Romans mm. um, so is suggesting this because it says mm. uh, when it, when you car carry on to verse 34 it says Jesus is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us mm. Mm. now you don't need an advocate if you don't have a case against you mm. you don't need somebody to be pleading pleading for us doesn't mean that he pled pleaded for us in the past mm. it seems ongoing. to be ongoing he's mm. an ongoing intercessor mm. so the only reason why you would need an ongoing advocate mm. or the, an ongoing intercessor in my view is because there are accusations that, case, that keep yeah. coming yeah. up against you so yeah. um i think that we and this as with everything else has a finished mm -hmm. but not yet mm. that that mm. the kingdom of god has come 
and the kingdom of God is coming. Yes. Salvation has been secured. Mm. We are we were saved, we're being saved, we will be saved. Mm. So yeah. there's there's a continuous work. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, and so please guys watch out against uh, what what is overrealized justification. Yeah? Overrealized justification is not balanced theology. When you take justification too far, that you 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 think it covers everything, or there are three spiritual realities: justification, sanctification, glorification. The Bible says those whom he sanctified, yeah, he also glorified. Actually, justified, sanctified, glorified. So the work of salvation has three phases, and so we need to understand justification is God's work. Sanctification is God's work in us, with us, as we submit. And then glorification is Him manifesting us in the image of His Son. So here, actually, I didn't like that translation too much because uh, it, it uses uh, playing. When people are translating Scripture, they end up translating according to their own theology. But which version was that that you read? I think it was NLT. NLT, because this one says, "Who does? Who did not spare his son? So he delivered him up for us." Uh, he says, "Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies." Yeah, he who con who is he who condemns? But guys, do you think Satan is polite? Because in its language, it was saying, "Who dares accuse us?" Hmm. Don't you think Satan dares accuse us? I think if he, he does. if he dared, <laughs> he dared accuse Jesus, righteous, completely flawless. He, he, he dared dare. accuse him. Yeah, so his, we'll his, him. his accusation may be may be foolish, but he will dare. <laughs> mm-hmm. He will dare. And why should there be a triumphant voice saying, "Now, finally, the accuser is thrown out"? Who accused the brethren before God, day and night? Why wasn't God telling, "Get this stupid guy out of the way"? He has no accusation. Why has he accused us day and night? It means there is a, an issue going on there. It does not destroy our salvation, but it affects how much kingdom we can experience. And I don't feel, ultimately, that this language uh, fully explains uh, what actually goes on. Because I can't imagine, because some people try to imagine vividly, that there is constantly a court case in heaven. If you can imagine, Pastor Grace, mm-hmm. that there are court cases and there are lobbies and a battle in the heaven. This is spiritual language, spiritual language trying to show us, yeah, that there are things that can resist the blessing of God in our lives because they are accusations in the spirit realm. Now, let me give you some verses that Father explained this. The Bible says, when our consciences do not condemn us, we have boldness with God. And receive whatever we ask in prayer. Mm. That means there's something there about your own conscience condemning. Mm. Yeah. Then there's a Bible which says, "Husbands dwell with knowledge with your according to knowledge with your wives." This is the book of the, the, the letter to the Thessalonians. Husbands dwell with knowledge according to your wife, knowing them that they are weaker vessels. Yeah that your prayers may not be hindered. By who? By God. God can't hinder prayers. Who is who is hindering your prayer there? It's accusations that develop in the spirit realm because of the seed you are sowing. 
Please understand that, that there can be battles, resistances, in the process of manifesting heaven on earth because of what we are, how we are living. How do we respond back? We overcome, number one, by the blood of the Lamb. So a husband who is living without knowledge <laughs> with his wife must know how to plead the blood. <laughs> and say, Lord, did you see how I treated my wife? I plead the blood right now. Must be your first plea. Must be the blood. You cannot become arrogant. I say, ha, let her get her life. Me, I'm a man. I don't care what she thinks. You better plead the blood. It's part of your weapon. It's how you overcome. But then, it's the word of your testimony moving away from simply always pleading the blood to saying, I'm going to learn how to live with my wife in a positive way so that my prayers can be answered. Also, as a verse I quoted before, when your, when your uh, soul, when your conscience condemns you, you plead the blood because the Bible says God is greater than your conscience. But then does that mean you're going to drag your conscience on the floor the rest of your life and pleading the blood? No, you begin to move from the issue of judge of condemnation and guilt into a life that is a testimony that speaks in the heavenlies uh, that you, you are pleasing to God. I, th I think the, the testimony point reminds me of <clears throat> Hezekiah. Oh, yeah, thank the, you. The example of Hezekiah, because when, you're, when you've got a memorial before God, mm. Mm. Uh, which is the, the te your testimony, mm. it, it, um, it's not, yeah, it gives you boldness, or it gives you a standing yeah. um, before God, because I, I think that God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of the diligent. Yeah. And so when, we, when we've got a record, I, I call it history, yeah. having history with God. God yes. is a covenant keeper. He's a rewarder. He doesn't forget yeah. the good things that his people do. Yeah. And sometimes we forget that that is actually part of our ammunition, if you want, when yeah. we are praying yeah. to remind, because I find it, with Hezekiah, mm. I find it was, was it Nehemiah who kept saying, Lord, remember. Remember. Remember, remember what, what I've, I've done. done. Yeah. Remember yeah. what I've done. And I think that um, putting God in remembrance concerning things that we have done in response to his word is something that is taught in the Bible and that's some, something that we need to make mm. use of. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And that our testimony, friends, is not a testimony of perfection. Can I come in on this? Mm. Hezekiah, I actually tremble at his prayer. He says, Lord, remember how I've walked before you. I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute, Hezekiah. You don't want God to remember. Are you sure you've lived a perfect life? But he says, remember how I've walked before you and I've done what is right before you. And you begin to realize Nehemiah was not invoking a mere perfection. He was invoking a brokenness of spirit. He was saying, remember, the right thing. What is the right thing? What has God required of us? He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, that you live justly, that you have mercy, that you walk humbly. None of those words says that, that you live a completely squeaky clean life. You never get angry. You never get upset. You never get irritated. No, live justly. Treat people fairly. Yeah, Love mercy. Remember and know how to let people off when they deserve worse. Secondly, 
remember to humble yourself and never become spiritually arrogant. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Hezekiah was necessarily invoking a perfect life. But this is the testimony of the church. We are God's broken people. Bible says, a broken and contrite heart I will not despise, says the Lord. And I think when he turns to the wall, he's invoking the reality before God uh, of the fact that he has lived a righteous life in that way. By the way, guys, I, I just have so much to share on that whole thing. Can I say a dangerous statement? I think intercessors are, are greater than prophets. Prophets declare outcomes. Intercessors determine outcomes. Wow. Yeah. Isaiah, who is greater than Isaiah? He comes and makes a decree of what God will do. But Hezekiah goes into this mode, yeah, that I believe God is looking for and concerned. That's where we're going to go. And he changes the outcome. Therefore, the prophecy changes. So many times things that have been predicted can be changed by intercession. And we will be looking at this whole thing. And as we, we come to rest this case, um, I want to take it back to, to where we started. The reality is, um, I, wonder, I know there are many Ugandans here, there are many Africans here, and all of you are, pl are praying for your nations. But you see, as I've, I looked in God's face concerning the destiny of Uganda, I realized that most believers make the mistake of thinking the destiny of Uganda is going to be resolved in the first heaven. <laughs> yes, there is a role in the first heaven. And we do the best in the first heaven. But we need to know that there are accusations in the second heaven. And there is justification in the third heaven. Where do you want to resolve your national issues? Let me bring it closer. Where are you going to, to resolve your marriage issues? Mm. Where are you going to resolve your family issues? Mm? Where are you going to resolve your personal issues? Mm. Because even you have three heavens over you. Level one, your job, your house, your marriage, your children, your money, da, 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 all that administrative stuff. And it's good to organize there and to be disciplined. But you see, today we're talking about Stuff that breaks out in the heavens. After you've done all, there's still an accusation. I mean, what did Peter do to deserve an accusation? What did Job do? <laughs> so, we need to understand that constantly we can never become arrogant. We can never become arrogant. I'm concerned that even in praying for our nations, we become spiritually arrogant. And I really felt God asking me, does Uganda deserve better? Do we deserve better? It's the mercy of God. It's the grace of God and the mercy of God. Does America deserve better? Does Britain deserve better? Do you know the level of corruption in our nations? Do you know covenants and checks that are changing hands right now in London behind our backs? Do you know that people are getting back backhanders and, and stuff is deals are being signed over us? This nation does not deserve better. And even if Uganda became that the United Kingdom, we would still be guilty. The nation would still be guilty of no blessing from heaven. America, does America deserve better? Oh, America deserves better. Americans think somehow that America is the next Israel. 
It's the new Israel. No chance. <laughs> no chance, guys. So, we need to humble ourselves concerning the sins of our nations and recognize we can never plead the blood of the martyrs. We can never say, because a man's leg was shut off, therefore Uganda will be delivered. Because a man's leg was shut off and there's blood on the streets, therefore may the blood of the victims speak for Uganda. My friend, the blood of men does not speak good. Mm. The Bible says, the blood of Jesus says better things than the blood of Abel. And Abel was a, 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 a pure worshipper. But the people, we in our political efforts, in our protests, in our placards, in our marches, and in our, we're trying to express humanly what we want. But it's not enough, friends. It will never be enough. <laughs> it can never be enough. There can never be enough done by Trump or Biden or Boris or Museveni or Chagulanyi or Mao or God knows what politician you're going to invoke. None of them is worthy. There is only one, 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 one that is worthy. The Bible says when this, the book was in heaven and God said that somebody opened the book, there was no one found worthy, even mm. in heaven, mm. to open the book. Until the Lamb who was slain rose up and opened the book. And then the, the worshippers began to say, Worthy is the Lamb. Let me tell you, friends. There is no sacrifice. There is no movement that will make Uganda or Kenya or Ivory Coast deserve better. There is one. Only Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Mm. Only Jesus Christ of Nazareth and his blood is what we should be invoking over our nations. Yeah? As we wave placards, as we run campaigns, we need to understand when it is all said and done, spiritually, for us who are spiritual, we need to know their accusations. As I interceded for Uganda, God showed me, and I'm closing this, God showed me there are massive accusations in the heavenly realm of us against each other, us against leaders, us against hus husband against wife, wife against husband, child against parent. These battles are unresolved, and now they escalate from family. They go to institutions. They go to churches. People who have cases against their pastors, people who hate their pastor's wife, people who <laughs> criticize, people who criticize churches. All these things, all these accusations are in the heavenlies. Now, we begin to argue Uganda's case, and God is saying, but you haven't settled your domestic case. Mm. There they are shooting legs. Here you are shooting with words. So, friends, we all need mercy. We need to hide and plead the blood. We need to hide under the blood. We need to plead the blood. There is no arrogance on this. We need to understand that the intercessor... Ah, I need to close. I don't want to unpack what I'm sharing on Sunday. But listen to, to me, friends. We need one Ugandan. And I posted on Facebook as a Ugandan. I said to my fellow Ugandans, we need one Ugandan <laughs> to pay the price for Uganda. Because according to Ezekiel 22, God sought for one man. And then God told me, I already found him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus became a Ugandan. 
2,000 years ago. As he said, it is finished, he was dying for my country. He was dying for the sins of the country. He was dying for the sins of the first president, the second president, the third president, Idi Amin, Obote, Kabaka, all of them sinned. And all of them perhaps have blood on their hands. And one, one person you kill is enough. One is enough. Let alone 10, 20, 30, 100, 1,000. One is enough. And so, are we going to quote our history? Are we going to show God our history? Are we going to say we deserve better? We deserve nothing, Lord, except that Jesus died for our nation. And therefore, we invoke the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Son of God. And we cannot now say, Lord, cleanse this part of Uganda, not this one. <laughs> God, cleanse this street, not this one. Cleanse this man, not that one. Uh, kill this one. Make this one live. All of us have sinned and fall short. So we're going to need to become intercessors other than accusers. We're going to have to rise higher than new vision. What are the other papers in Uganda? Red paper. The monitor. <laughs> the monitor. Friends, after you finish reading the monitor, you need to look in the face of Jesus of Nazareth and recognize when he was on the cross, he saw your history. He saw the mess. And unless we invoke his mercy over our cities, they are going to continue reaping and sowing accusation in the heavenlies. And God is saying, I have finished your nation. I have blessed your nation in heavenly places. But I need an intercessor to rise above the noise and the clamor of the streets. I need someone on the mountaintop holding the rod of God instead of downward, down on the on the, just being down on the road, on the on the street holding a placard. Many of us are marching with placards, but Moses went up the mountain hill and hold, held the rod of God. That gave hope to the battle in the valley. And so as we close, friends, tonight, I want to ask you, have you ever seen Jesus of Nazareth? Have you ever seen that he rose to be an intercessor for us? Are we ready <laughs> to hold the road of God over our nations? Are we ready to face the fact that we are under constant challenge in the second heaven? And without pretending that we can ever be perfect, are we ready to? Number one, plead the blood. Number two, constantly attend to our testimony. Even if that was, that becomes a testimony of brokenness, humility, and mercy. Let that be the testimony. And finally, can we go as far as loving the Lord so much that we are ready to die for Him? That is how we overcome the accuser. And may God bless us as we do that. Amen and amen. <laughs>